Kings Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. We're doing a special edition here on Monday night. Things are happening in Sacramento. I'm joined by Aaron Bruski of hoop-ball.com. AB, there is a coach. We got a coach. Holy cow. Dave Yeager, the new coach of the Sacramento Kings. What are your initial reactions? Initial reactions are, this is just kind of, it's a cool story because, you know, we were talking last week on the cast on Thursday, and this was really underneath the radar. Uh, It speaks to a lot of different things involving, you know, how things get kept in-house. But then, yeah, I mean, you know, we found out on Saturday, I think uh, it was Friday night, that it was a virtual certainty and and then it just kind of trickled from there and there was a little bit of drama as far as like how um you know how for sure it was there's a little bit of negotiations back and forth mm-hmm. that um you know just a little play at the end um but i think kings fans were really there was a lot of anxiety because once they found out they could get dave yeager i think the whole thing turned it was like don't mess this up and the kings really just knocked it out of the park with this hire I think, you know, that is the prevailing thought, right? Don't screw it up. Dave Yeager is a legitimate, legitimate high-tier NBA head coach. He's not Greg Popovich. He doesn't have his own tree or a forest as Popovich has. But he is a very, very good NBA head coach in three years with the Memphis Grizzlies. He ran a record of 147-99. and if his team hadn't just completely died on him, he probably would have run more like a, I don't know, what, a 50-32 and 32 record as opposed to a 42-40 and 40 record this last season. He had key injuries to Marc Gasol to start, uh, and then they basically shut down Mike Connolly Jr. in early March. They traded away two of his starters in Jeff Green and... Uh, Courtney Lee, and he still he still managed to squeak into the playoffs despite losing four of his eight rotational players. Twenty eight players overall played for the Memphis Grizzlies this season, including what is it eight guys on ten different no eleven different ten day contracts. How in the world do you will a team into the playoffs in the Western Conference without any talent at all? I think that, you know, I'm not as high on that. I, I think they were 31 and 21 or something like that after the Gasol injury. And once Mike Conley went down, they they still needed to lose something like 16 straight games to fall out because the bottom of the West was so bad. They finished 5-14 um, and 14 without Conley. I mean, that, that's basically they finished the end. They were a, a season high thirteen games over five hundred on like the fourth or fifth of uh, of March, 
and then Connolly went down and never played again, and and they shrunk down the stretch. What what they had to do what they had to do a couple times because they recognized that they could slow play things, and so like Zach Randolph got all the rest that he could get, and a lot of guys got all the rest that they could get because there was no way mathematically that the Jazz or the Rockets could catch them. But they they actually started getting into a little bit of trouble, losing enough games to where. Maybe there was some doubt and they would just bring those guys back for a couple games and then they would get back on their their, their right path and, and win a couple games and survive. Um, but it's a really interesting story because they did play so hard down the stretch. Jaeger is a good coach. It's just whether you're talking about how he works with the players, whether you're talking about his X's and O's, we could nibble around the edges and talk about some things that. You know, he's been criticized for or he's not good at, but he's he's really gotten the job done. And, um, you know, I I just give him credit, I think, for fostering a mentality of defense and proper play, proper execution. In fact, he even wanted to speed the pace up there. and, And that's been well chronicled. But he was able to slow it down and really defer to his veterans on that. And And that just speaks to maturity as a coach. Yeah, he really played to his strengths. And I think that's the most, for me, the most intriguing part of this whole entire situation is that he leaves a situation that is chaotic and he leaves it for another situation that is equally chaotic, uh, leaving Memphis and going to Sacramento. But he's not really trading out rosters in a sense. He's getting maybe a watered-down version of Mike Connolly Jr. in in Darren Collison. He's getting uh, Zach Randolph basically on steroids in DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, he's getting a lot of pieces that work with what he does. And my personal feeling is that if I were to choose all the coaches in the league, of course, I would want Greg Popovich. But I want Greg Popovich like 10 years ago. I don't want like 66-year-old Greg Popovich because I want longevity for my my position there. And, you know, maybe Popovich has four years left or five years left. And, and I, I'm not going to, you know, say, you know, no ageism here. It's just, it is what it is. He's going to coach Team USA. He's going to coach for a few more years. Duncan and plenty of the other players around, you know, Ginobili and Tony Parker will eventually retire. But when you look at young and up-and-coming coaches, and then you match it with the Kings roster, so I really like Frank Vogel, don't get me wrong, but if I have a choice between between Frank Vogel, who has basically small ball lineup and does nothing but run and do crazy things that, that don't make any sense for what the Kings are, are doing and what their talent is, and then I have Dave Yeager, I, I want Yeager in that situation. And I could go along with many of these coaches and say the same thing because I really respect what he does. A lot of what I see in his coaching style, especially on the offensive end, is Rick Adelman-esque. It's a lot of Princeton-style cuts and high post and a lot of really, really brilliant team basketball. And I hope that he can bring that mentality to Sacramento because they have a aggressive defensive style the best low post defensive team in the league in my opinion and I think that actually plays out numbers wise and then you match that with a guy who does have some creativity on the offensive end so he's not just a one-way coach and I really really like this fit for the Sacramento Kings I I I mean it's it's gonna be so 
it's going to be a great experiment, you know, for especially for people that listen to this podcast and follow Kings closely, um, just to see what the difference will be between what George was running with the team and what Jaeger will eventually run. That's to me, I feel like you could have done almost anything but what George would have done or George did, and it would have been so much better. And now you're going to get a guy that's going to be basically optimal. He might not be the best. He might have his flaws, but I just looking at everything that Memphis has done, you never really had the head scratching moments from a philosophical perspective or an X's and O's perspective. He might've played veterans a little bit too much. You know, he played Tayshaun Prince a lot. Um, you know, always struggled with a lack of outside shooting there, but you never had this like, what the heck are they doing moment? And in fact, it was always pretty damn good over there. So it's going to be just super interesting and especially depending on free agency and how that shakes out. I, I would almost want to just see what, what Rajon Rondo would look like in this offense just to compare it. I, I'm not advocating that the Kings should bring Rondo back. Obviously, I've been very clear on that, but just to see what the difference would be. In see, terms of wins. See, that's what happens when J- Dave Yeager gets hired. Aaron Bruski now loves Rajon Rondo and wants him back. He wants a three-year, $40 million deal, deal for Rondo. There it is. Disclaimer, Aaron Bruski does not want that for the Kings. <laughs> no, actually, I don't want – I don't care what you guys do. I, I just say what's best for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say this. Uh, I, I think the Kings took a little bit of a, a, abuse. And I think people were laughing a little bit like, oh, look, they're they're just interviewing anyone who will take a call. And then, you know, realistically, so many good coaches came through. And I think the one guy, and just so people know, the one guy that did not ever come through uh, was Messina. And the reason why is because the Kings were respectful of the Spurs coach, uh, I mean, of their playoff run, and they didn't want to jump in and interfere with the Spurs playoff run when it came to Messina and be a distraction and so they were waiting to see what would happen with him and then maybe have a conversation later and it just turns out that this is uh, Messina just is the wrong guy he's in the wrong place at the wrong time unfortunately for him if he even would consider the coaching job and in all honesty Aaron they're getting a guy who's 16 years younger than Messina and who's actually coached an NBA team for three years where Messina's only coach in Europe and, and then been an assistant at the NBA level. And you don't really know how players will react to Messina when it's his own team where we know full well, we know full well that Jaeger has an ability to capture the imagination of a, a player group. I mean, there's a point during this season where he had no idea who the players were on the court. I mean, he's just grabbing guys and throw them and throwing them out there. I mean, they went through so many changes. There was a point where Ray McCallum played like just tons of minutes, and then he's not re-upped for a 10-day contract, and they got to go to the next guy. And I just don't even know what to make of the coaching job he did. And I guess what we should really discuss is why do you think he was available? Because there's this whole discussion regarding him when it comes to this deal that happened two years ago uh, with with Minnesota, and then now he wants out again, and I think we should we should kind of delve into that situation a little bit. Why is it? Do you think he's available? I think the water, you know, or whatever how the the 
the well got tainted or whatever the expression is. They they started off in a tough spot because Hollins didn't mesh well with management and or Robert Para. So Jaeger was the guy. And then after that, Jaeger didn't mesh well with them. And and then Jaeger kind of became disposable. And and they really, really liked him in Minnesota. And it got a little weird. Um, you know, the, the two teams talked and, you know, Minnesota and Jaeger and Memphis. And, and you got to understand about Memphis is they also have a very strange ownership situation where very Robert Parrott just yeah. became the owner. And, um, you know, Michael Heisley prior to that was the owner. And the the NBA, I think, was in a little bit of a pickle when they turned to Para. Para wasn't really NBA rich and, and his stock had taken a little bit of or a lot of a hit. So when he became the owner of that franchise, he, he was kind of on that border of, of a guy that would typically become an owner of an NBA team. And he's young and, and he's he's got some crazy ideas. And with with Jaeger, you're, you're looking at a guy that probably needed a little seasoning in terms of how to manage upwards, which is a term that, you know, all coaches should become familiar with is how to manage upwards. And. You know, now I think in this iteration, you know, if you're the Memphis Grizzlies, you're looking at some potential changes anyway. If you know that Dave Yeager has gotten into it a little bit with management, you 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 probably look at, hey, what can I get on the market? And when when you're looking at, OK, hey, you got Vogel, you know, you got other coaches of that ilk that are available. You don't want to wait on this stuff. You don't want to be the last person, you know, without a dance partner. And so I think those parties got together and said, hey, we'll let you go talk. OK, you know what? Hey, we're just going to get rid of you and, and we'll just move on. And that's how you get this little swapperoo that that might not make sense to the casual observer who's sitting there saying, well, why would Jaeger leave the Grizzlies for the Kings? You know, if the Kings are all these different things. Uh, so that's, I think, how you get there. And, and I think you, if you talk to the Grizzlies beat writers and some of the guys that follow the team over there, they'll be real honest with you about what those shortcomings are. That's kind of the things I said is, you know, he's not managing upwards. He, he is getting into it a little bit with his players, but that happens everywhere. And it's not to the stage. It's nowhere near DEFCON 5 like it was with Carl and Cousins. It's nowhere near any of the stuff that you hear around the league where these guys are, are really getting at it. This is that was a veteran team and that was good for him. And keep this in mind, that that's a veteran team that, in the grand scheme of things, also didn't challenge him that much. I think his challenge is a lot greater here in Sacramento. So, um, you know, I, I do, I don't want to just rattle off a bunch of stuff saying, oh, you know, he did this great job with this this kind of ragtag group of guys over there. Yes, there were some personalities, but they very they they self policed very well. Okay, so let, let's draw back a couple of things you brought up there. Number one, the relationship with uh, with Para, the the owner of the Memphis Grizzlies, he I guess the way it works out is he bought the team in I think it's November of uh, 2012, and then he lets Lionel Hollins go after they lost him four games in the Western Conference Finals, and he had. Uh, he won 56 games, and they let Lionel Holmes go, and they put Dave Yeager in charge for the 2013-2014 season. During, and so Yeager does a good job. He he runs 50 and 32. They they lose in the playoffs, which isn't good, but uh, you know it's first time through. They had some injury issues, but 
as soon as they got to the end of that season where the real divide happened here and started to splinter and where we get the Minnesota situation is that Perra decided to hold his own uh, exit interviews with the players without management or coaches in the room. And that's not typical. And that actually, it doesn't happen at all in the NBA. Uh, owners what? aren't typically in the room asking players, what do you think about your coach? What do you think about the job the management did? Because players, for all of their, their pluses, they also, that's not their job. Their job is to play basketball. And to each player from one to 15, every single one of them is going to have a gripe about something. And they'll vary from, I don't get to play enough, to he does this, or he he doesn't run enough plays for me, or my offensive numbers aren't the way they should be. So I, I think that is one huge, huge glaring thing. Even Vivek and all of his craziness that has been reported multiple times, he would never actually do an exit interview with coach with players like this. And that's something that Yeager well, dealt with in his first year. I, I it, wasn't, it, was, it wasn't even that. I mean, there was more than that. He, um, he fancies himself a pretty good basketball player, Para. And he challenged Tony Allen to a game of one-on-one at one point and, and, and then tried to promote it for, like, charity or something. And Tony Allen was like, okay, yeah, funny joke. Oh, you're serious. And, and it, became, it kind of became a thing. Like, he just did a lot of stuff, and you heard about the headset stuff. Like, he wanted Dave Yeager to wear a headset. Yeah, so we could talk to him on the sidelines. Put it this way. Cheese if and Pete rice, De- Aaron Bruschi. Cheese and if, rice! If Pete D'Alessandro had worked for the Grizzlies, Para would probably be the joke of the NBA. Yeah. Uh, actually, I mean, because of because honest- of the way because of the the the, the leaking and the, the the kind of the intrigue and then you know the push to get Demarcus Cousins traded all that stuff. If that stuff doesn't happen, I would say and say you put Para in Vivek's place. I think Para might be the guy that everybody laughs about, but you know, okay, not so- to not to absolve Vivek of whatever he's done. I agree. Know, create, I agree. Create those circumstances. That's I think you know when we're talking Para here. We're going to find out probably more in the next couple of years unless he can figure it out and learn. And, you know, because basically everybody's jumping ship over there. It's kind of weird. And I kind of wonder about Mark Gasol. You know, he signed. They've had a real good history of success signing their guys. You know, this Mike Conley signing is is going to be a very, very intriguing one. You know, if they don't do well on the coaching front, you know, does Mike Conley want to go somewhere else? Does I don't it know. matter either way? Do they have the talent to compete? And when you really look at, I well, mean, that's a big question. When you I don't come, think they do. When you come down to the end of this season, they loaded Jaeger up with guys of such questionable backgrounds. I mean, we all know the Matt Barnes situation. Just so Matt Barnes knows, he can have the tattoo that says Sacktown's finest removed <laughs> from his arm. No one in Sacktown wants to claim credit to you anymore, except for maybe your mom. I mean, that's not. He is, he's crazy. I mean, he's the guy who goes, races over and beats up Derek Fisher at his ex-wife's house. Um, he's been suspended. He's he's done plenty of things that are not good at all. They bring in PJ Hairston. They bring in Chris Anderson. Uh, they just, they brought in Lance Stevenson. And here you go, Jaeger, here you go. You add those to Zach Randolph. 
And the one thing that really intrigues me about this entire situation is really the mirror image of young Zach Randolph versus young DeMarcus Cousins. And DeMarcus Cousins is still young. He's still 25 years old. And Jaeger's worked with Memphis Grizzlies for nine seasons. And so that means that he knows Zach Randolph as a younger kid too. And he knew the stuff that Zach Randolph would do as a young player. But now what you're doing is you're basically trading up for the younger, more athletic, taller, more versatile version of of Zach Randolph. And to me, if I'm if I already know how to use that guy, and Jaeger does, he knows how to use that guy, we've seen it for for almost a decade. But he knows how to use that guy. And now we get to see what really DeMarcus Cousins can do while an offense is built around him. At least that's what I think. Jaeger's not so stubborn on a system that he's not going to plop DeMarcus down there X amount of times per game and foul the other team out relentlessly. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. He manages the post. That's what he does. I, I, I mean... I thought we've been through. I thought the Kings would not waste a season and tell George you can't use him like that. But it's easily the biggest, you know, faux pas or whatever the the term is. Faux pas. In, faux pas go. in basketball that I've seen in years. I mean, you got this behemoth of a guy that can just sit there and tee off on the other team and generate open three point shots, and then you don't go to him there ever, and then you let Rajon Rondo run the ball. I, I to me it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. He's not going to do that. Uh, the whole Zach Randolph thing is interesting. I think they're different personalities, and that's going to be you know this whole thing actually to to move this into a more important conversation. This whole thing boils down to can he reach Demarcus in a in a way that provides slow building block steps going forward. It's not changing overnight with Demarcus. Demarcus isn't all of a sudden going to become a model citizen on the court. Nope. But can he get the buy in? that just generates positive results because that's what the team needs. That's what the fans need. That's what the city needs. That's what the organization needs. They need to wipe the stink off. And can he just simply make the right decisions that that, that instead of working against himself, can he get that, you know, the first 10 games that Mike Malone had five and five, but everything feels right. I think that'll go a long way with DeMarcus. And a lot of that's going to be what kind of relationship they have off the court. And the one thing that really intrigues me about the way this whole thing is going to work out, because to me, honestly, I don't know what's going to happen with Rondo. And I know Cousins really wants him back. And I know that there are people within the organization that really want him back. And then there are other people who are like, all right, let's move on. But the real question I have is just so people know, when the season finished, Rudy Gay was ready to go. He's, he's ready to go elsewhere and, and to start fresh and to start new and to to get dealt and, and he doesn't care you know if the Kings can can get a younger version or a different version or a defensive-minded version of him and swap him out. He doesn't care, but for his own sanity, he kind of played out this year and at the end of the year he was like, okay, I'm, I'm not demanding a trade, but... I'm probably I'm a okay if I'm not back next year, and I now have questions as to whether or not Rudy Gay will feel that same way, because Jaeger was with him as an assistant for years. He knows him very well. He was very 
anti-Rudy Gay trade when he was traded to Toronto. He wanted to keep the group together. And so now I'm intrigued to see what happens with Rudy Gay. Is he revitalized in Sacramento? Does he say, all right, let's give this another shot because I know this guy, he's going to use me right and he's going to do things right by me and we're going to be okay. And then the Kings can go and bolster other positions. Again, guys like Courtney Lee that the Kings are already interested in. How If he's looking over and saying, wait, Dave Yeager's there in Sacramento and and my boy – Omri Caspi's there in Sacramento. Maybe I want to be there. So I, I think it's interesting. I don't know if Clifford's going to let Lee get out of his grasp. Those, those two have a great relationship, and he Clifford is a smart coach who knows exactly what Lee brings to the table. But yeah, yeah. as far as, as, as Rudy Gay goes, this is also another you know sin of the past administration is how he was used last year. This He's a guy that you run stuff like Golden State runs for Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson isn't known for his flashy handle. Um, you know, obviously they're two different players, but it was a lot of elbow, rub screens off of the elbow inside of 18 feet. Now Clay obviously shoots from three, but the way the, what the Warriors do is they just extend that out beyond the three point line. But with with Michael Malone, Rudy was only dribbling once or twice, and that's where he's really at his best. If you can do that, I think you can keep him offensively. Uh, defensively, I think he's going to be a liability for the rest of his career because he's lost his explosion. So you're really just saying, okay, hey, can we get this really efficient offense that people might roll their eyes when they think of Rudy Gay? But he was providing that under Michael Malone, and he's actually been pretty dang efficient just in general. You know, For a player that can score, his, his field goal percentages are fine. Uh, it's the turnovers that really kill you with him. But yeah, if you can get that kind of offense, then I think you could keep him around because he's a team-friendly contract. Now, what I think, I, I mean, the the Warriors are going to have really interesting choice here, and the whole thing kind of tilts on Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant saved not only the Thunder's season, but saved his own standing in in Oklahoma City. I thought with the game he had while Kawhi Leonard was hurt the other night, the if the if the Warriors get a chance at Kevin Durant, I think that they'll take it. That's just a guess that would leave Harrison Barnes on the outs no matter what. And Harrison Barnes to me is a guy that I think a, a, an owner like Vivek would probably jump at. And, and he would be a young, very good and expensive solution at small forward. And that would to me say, OK, hey, let's time to move on Rudy Gay. And you could even start to play out scenarios where if Memphis doesn't want Mike Conley or can't sign Mike Conley, you could do something like trade Darren Collison and 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 make a play at a sign and trade for a Mike Conley and maybe try to make some move like that. And the whole Mike Conley angle is fascinating to me because the idea of him coming to Sacramento as a free agent, <clears throat> totally off the table with Jaeger in there. I don't know that it changes anything, but at least the question can now be broached. It opens up a door and I think the Kings should be fine with going with Darren Collison and some backup. There are a number of backups that they could get this summer for under, you know, say like seven to five to seven million dollars that I think would be great. You know, that's one more out of Chicago would be a great pickup. Um, and the list kind of goes on from there. But there's options, man. And, and I think with Rudy, you just have to ask yourself, are you going to use him the way that he should be used? And is he happy enough to stick around it and do it? Because it's been rough on him. It's been really rough. You don't want a repeat of this stuff. You don't want the the kind of the negativity and the bad attitudes. He's not good enough at this stage. And not saying this any any of this falls on him. 
but he's not good enough if he's not happy for the Kings to want him there. Yeah, and here's a couple of numbers I'm going to point out to to Kings fans. The way that that Rudy Gay, he was basically used as an isolation player when DeMarcus Cousins was out of the game. And and so Rudy Gay's usage rate usage rate dropped from 27 uh the previous year to 22.4. His assist rate dropped, this is a big one, from 19 to 8. That wasn't what he was asked to do. He was asked to score, uh, and only in specific times, and it really, really took a lot of sacrifice from him. Uh, Honestly, I didn't think he was that bad defensively. I I think that there are better defensive guys, for sure, at that small forward position. I don't think his, his defensive rating is a 108. I don't think it's, like, magical. But at the same time, I really do believe that Rudy Gay was used very poorly. And if you take Rondo out of the system and you rely heavily on DeMarcus and Darren Collison and Rudy Gay to carry the assist load and and share the ball differently, then I think he actually becomes a lot more vibrant of a player. And I think the other thing couple of things number one Rudy Gay started off the season with the birth of his child which did not go well at all and his wife was in the hospital for a long time and he was away from the team a lot he anytime that he wasn't with the Kings he was actually at the hospital Um, he has a, a, a young boy at home as well he really had a tough go in the beginning of the season and I think his fitness level kind of fell off a little bit and his energy level and then when he returned he returned like mentally to a team that had moved on from him. So while he was there a lot of the time, he wasn't really there mentally. And then when it was time for him to really step up and be part of something, he wasn't part of it anymore. They had moved on from him. And so it's really a difficult thing. And I'll also point out, George Carl was very clear in December that he said he specifically said, the combination of Rudy Gay and Omri Caspi saved our season. And then he stopped using them. He stopped using them together and he went away from it. And you got to get, if Rudy Gay is part of the picture, and I don't know if he is or not, and I think you can replace some of his numbers with other players. And I'm never going to advocate for, for Harrison Barnes, and that's my own personal opinion. Um, I would much prefer having the offense come from a different position like Ryan Anderson off the bench as a stretch four, uh, where, again, Jaeger had Jeff Green coming off the bench as a stretch four, and then rely more heavily on a defensive-minded 3 and D guy at the three. Um, But we're going to have to see how it plays out. It's very possible that the Kings move a different direction with Rudy Gay, and they kind of release him to, to go somewhere else. Not really. They'll trade him, and they'll be able to get something of value for him because he does still have value. But I think they also have other players that they need to do that to, and and we saw last season that you know again Jaeger had a shortage of three point shooters. Does does Marco Bellinelli make sense for this team anymore or not? And, and can he turn a, a guy like Ben McLemore into the defensive minded guy that Tony Allen is? And I I think the answer is no right up front. But maybe long term, he could. But if we reach that point where you're going to have to pay Macklemore and you can't do it. So, I mean, the Kings have so many issues to still deal with. The one thing I do know is that they have a front office guy that people around the league are now warming up to like crazy. They're on now, every, now everyone's saying, oh my gosh, uh, 
Ken Cantonella. I'm I'm shocked the Kings got him. Where a week and a half ago they were like, who the hell is that guy? We have no idea who that guy is. Now they're all on board and they love him. And now they have Dave Yeager. And so Vlada Divots went from a guy who didn't know what he was doing at all. And Vivek Ranadive went from the biggest crazy you know, owner guy in the league to all of a sudden, wait a sec, maybe the Kings aren't as crazy as we thought. And now maybe we should let them play out this summer and see what happens. Because I certainly think that this signing, this addition of Dave Yeager is a huge boon for this team. I don't think they have to do anything quickly, not with Rudy, not with anybody. And and the one the one thing I think they should not do is be b- big crazy spenders in this free agency. We covered this last week. And, we did a little uh, bit, yeah. The I, I'm not the biggest Harrison Barnes guy. I, I think if you're going to take a a swing at a guy, I like I like your margin for error. I don't think you're going to lose more than twenty cents on the dollar with him. I think that if he's if he's a bust as a free agent, it's going to be the margin will be very small. So that's why I'm okay with that, especially if you're the Kings, and especially because the market's going to be soft with him. There's not going to be a lot of teams, I think, falling all over themselves to get Harrison Barnes because he is. Most viewed people as a believe risk. he's making twenty million, twenty million a year. Most but people believe least, that that he's getting a hundred million dollar deal. Yeah, and 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 he will get that. And the thing about this is. There, there's not going to be like a line out the door for people to pay that much for Harrison Barnes. So can the Kings come in and convince him to to do that and, you know, all the mechanics that go behind that? Um, so I don't think you got to make a big decision on Rudy Gay because I think you can sit back and just kind of see how the action goes and, and really try to target, you know, who are you going to try to win in this in this free agency? And then with the draft, like, you know, how are you going to handle you've got a draft pick? You know, do you want to make some noise and, you know, maybe get another draft pick? Do you want to go the other direction? And if you don't like what you see on the draft board, it's, it's maybe try to package this up for a position of need. Because, frankly, the shooting guard thing is an issue. I think you could do very well for yourself if you're the Sacramento Kings and try to get a big-time shooting guard in some way, shape, or form. I agree. Um, you That's know, a as position far, of need, yes. As far as, like, Marco Bellinelli, all these pieces. Like, the only one that I don't think fits is Rondo. I think that you can have... Any combination of these guys work alongside of DeMarcus Cousins because DeMarcus Cousins, we never saw them have a post offense that made any sense. They never dumped it into the post and had even basic rudimentary level passing lanes. That's because they never practiced it. Marco Bellinelli could sit outside outside and make threes in his sleep. And that's something that with just a little bit of coaching, I think that that's going to look really good for him. His market is nothing right now. You know, there might be a couple teams out there that think, okay, they totally misused him last year. We can fleece these guys. But at what point does the juice not become worth the squeeze? What are the Kings really going to get from Marco Bellinelli They're right now? Get I'd, a second round pick at best. I'd, ra- I'd rather keep him and, and see if you can make it work. As long as he's, as long as the stink from last year didn't, you know, get to any of these guys. And if it did get to them in a way that's irre- irreversible, then I think you make the move. But I don't think you got to really push to move or tweak or anything i think you want to figure out and target where are you going to spend your money i think you got to spend it really super smart or just hold back and wait for the trade i mean especially with the contingent of people that want to trade demarcus cousins i mean and i don't think there's a lot of those voices at the kings right now no i i think you wait this this experiment with demarcus it ends mid-year i don't think anybody in the kings has a stomach for another year 
where it's dominated by DeMarcus Cousins headlines. I think it and, either ends next year, ends at the midseason, or it becomes a non-factor anymore. And, and DeMarcus and make no Cousins mistake, moves forward. There, make no mistake, the headlines are not even going to wait until the beginning of the season to start. They're already starting. I saw a story about Bill Walton that doubled as a DeMarcus Cousins has bad feet story. I saw a story. Uh, what was it? What was the other story? I forget what the other story is. It, oh, it was the list of coaches that were available to the Kings, and all of them had some sort of slant about how this related to DeMarcus Cousins being a crazy person. These headlines will come early and often. They won't even just come from the Sacramento Bee. They will come from across the league because every team in the league wants DeMarcus Cousins. So Jaeger is going to have his work cut out for him managing all that, and that's why they're going to have to get a good start. And, and again, back to the salary cap thing. If you have a bunch of cap space and you're trading to Marcus Cousins, you have quite a bit of uh, wiggle room or leverage to take on another contract. I just don't see it. I don't see them moving him. Uh, I, I think that they found a coach that they believe is going to be the right guy to lead him to the next step in his career, and that is as a king. And uh, I think that's fingers are crossed in Sacramento that Dave Yeager is the right guy. And I'm also going to point out, too, look, Zach Randolph had crazy stuff. Not only did he have a lot of the personality traits that we've seen from DeMarcus, but he had a lot of off-the-court stuff as well. And you can go and research some of that stuff. DeMarcus is not a criminal. And no matter how many people want to pin him and peg that to him, he's not. He's not a criminal. He's a guy that is a bit angry and has some temper issues and uh, has some trust issues and he has plenty of other things, but he's not a criminal. And, and I think if Jaeger gets off on the right foot with him, then I think that he is a long-term fix in Sacramento. And by long-term, I mean, not just the next two years, I think they'll lock him up long-term and and give him a full fledged extension for another four years where he's making 30 plus million dollars a year. And people are thinking, I'm crazy right now. But honestly, I think that's where the Kings really hope that DeMarcus goes. They know that it's easier to fix the guy that they have than to find another one because you don't find another another top five talent. And you just don't. And Well, and he, he wants to be in case. Sacramento. He does. Yeah, he wants to. That's the thing about this that is so strange is like any other player I think would be like, I'm fed up, I'm done with it. But the town – and his setup within the town, it all fits his personality, and it all fits. And the only thing that hasn't fit is the uh, functionality of the team. You know and who else wants to be in Sacramento? Aaron Bruski? Uh, Pitbull on July 10th. And Paul McCartney, which I have tickets to, just so you know. Nice. nice. Uh, yeah, I'm like center, like row F. Uh, but uh, the other one, the other person who wants to be in Sacramento and who actually reached out and had his agent reach out to Sacramento is Dave Yeager. And I think that's really the end of the discussion. You had a top tier coach, at least in my mind, you may disagree with my top tier assessment. He's not Greg Popovich. I'm, I'm but all right. I mean, well, how far down does the tier go? I, I, I think he's a top 10 coach, maybe top 12. I mean, I think he's that good. If you really look around at the talent that he had over the last three years and say, holy cow, you won 55 games last season. 
Um, I'll, I'll say this. The league has been blessed with some good young coaches lately. Yes. And it's expanded the the top. Normally, it's five good coaches, five really, really bad coaches, and then everything in between. It is more like of a top 12. If you say top 12, I probably would buy it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's in, while he won a championship, I think he's in the Spolstra and Vogel. And, I, I mean, there's a group of coaching there that I think he's in that tier. He's with those guys. And I think he's a really, really good coach. He And honestly, he's much better than any coach that they had interviewed before. And that's why when he became available, the Kings jumped all over him. Expect Elston Turner to join his staff. The Kings love Elston Turner. Vlade Divac loves Elston from his time with Rick Adelman. Expect this to be a very, very quick and easy transition for the Kings to hand this team over to a guy and just so you know, it does look like he will travel with the Kings to Chicago for the tr- the pre-draft workout uh, with all of the, the draft prospects. So they're going to involve Jaeger in the pre-draft situation where he wasn't a, really, he didn't really have a voice in Memphis. He will be part of the, the decision when it comes to finding free agency, while Divots will have the ultimate voice and Ron Adive will probably have a secondary voice. Uh, he will still be in the room and he'll still be able to have his input on what he wants and what he needs. And I think this is a way you make a really good marriage between a, a young coach, 42 years old, and a, a franchise that needs stability. They need it long term. They need Dave Yeager to work out for like a decade and maybe more. Oh, well, don't put any pressure on the guy. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, I think he should have worked out for a decade or more in Memphis. But if I'm Jaeger and I look at the group that I have and then the way that the management handled even even my, my 28, 29, 30-year-old players, they traded them all away at the deadline and left me with nothing, well, nothing but 31-plus and a That's bunch of D-leaguers? Come on now. You trade, you trade away Jeff Green, and you're saying, we don't care. And and that was a smart trade. It was a really smart trade for the for the Grizzlies. I mean, they, they got a first-round pick out of it. So, But from a perspective of, you know, you've been there for as long as Jaeger has been, and, you know, there is that acrimony. I can see where he was like, you know, I got to get out of here. And... You know, for the Kings, I, I think that the biggest thing here is I think you will know if DeMarcus Cousins is going to work out within the first three months. Yep. And and I wouldn't be hesitant to pull the trigger. If it's not working after three months, I think that the one the things with this particular situation and what people that report on this far don't understand is how disastrous that era of Pete Bellisandro was and the – when you combine it with rookie mistakes at the ownership level, which by the way, Joe Lacob made all sorts of rookie mistakes oh, God, and people yeah. don't, people don't even, people don't realize that. They don't it's remember hard. him getting booed during Chris Mullen. Like, and and that had nothing to do night? with the Mane Ellis trade. That had zero practically to do with the Mane Ellis trade. It had to do with how he came across as an owner yeah. and the moves that he had been making at the time. And so right now we're lauding Joe Lacob for his vision and Joe Lacob is lauding himself for his vision. And the Warriors are the the bee's knees, as you like to put it. This could easily be Vivek Ranadive. And when once the, the stench of that administration is gone, and it wouldn't be able to be gone until George Carl was gone. And George Carl, unfortunately, didn't want to do what was best for the Sacramento Kings, and that was known at a very early time. This now, though, takes away 
all of the excuses. This is either going to be on DeMarcus Cousins or it's going to be on Vivek Ranadive, and it's going to be nothing in between. And yeah. I think you will know that within two to three months. And if it's not working out at that point in time, you cut bait and he goes somewhere else and you get a big package in return. You'll get 50 cents on the dollar, but at least you've done your due diligence as a team, as a fan base, as an organization to, to say, we've got a good coach. Now let's see what DeMarcus Cousins can do. I want 80 cents on the dollar, but if I got to take 75 on my ticket, uh, but still, I, I want to see this work out, and I, and I honestly, I honestly believe that took this job so he could coach Demarcus Cousins. And if I'm wrong, I'll find out on Tuesday morning at the press conference. Uh, we'll prod, we'll prod Dave Yeager, and we'll figure out if this is exactly what he wanted and why he wanted out. And you know what? Uh, anytime someone goes for making two million a year. Just so people know, Key Smart made two million a year. Uh, Paul Westfall made one point seven five million. Dave Yeager made two million a year for Memphis, winning fifty games his first two years. That when a guy wants out and he doubles his salary, and he's still not making, I mean, he's still making what like sixty percent of what Thibodeau or or Brooks, or half of these guys made this offseason. Again, uh, and keep this in mind: there was no, there was never a mutiny there. And, and dude, George Carl was going to make five million this coming year. Well, I bring that up because typically coaches that aren't paid well are very easy. It's easy for the players to turn on because they're like, management doesn't care; they'll buy this guy out, and it's yeah. not a big deal. He with, makes with a, a sixth of what I make. Yeah. Yeah, so with Jaeger, even though there might have been uh, some butting of heads with Mike Conley, I might add, that stuff never got big enough to, to move the needle even. It never even moved the needle. So in the world of NBA you know, business, where I think even Steve Kerr probably has issues with his guys, this was kind of a non-issue. Okay, Aaron, do you have any final thoughts? Because this is a, a super cool early week additional podcast that we're bringing you guys it's the emergency podcast last time we did an emergency <laughs> podcast we brought in john santiago the last time i talked to john he was on a sailboat in the adriatic sea uh and for some reason he had wi-fi and we were able to chat for like an hour but uh that was a couple of weeks ago i think he might be in spain so john's not coming back to talk to us here but uh aaron do you have any final thoughts for this emergency CSN Kings Insider podcast. I, I just I look at this as a great uh, closing of one chapter and an opening of a new chapter. And actually, more than anything, I would like to see the Kings fans kind of get back to their roots. You know, when I started covering you guys six years ago, you guys were very, very solid. You guys had a, a really solid group with a lot of solidarity. And I feel like the messaging from certain parties of ill repute has gotten to you guys. I feel like the messaging in general has gotten you guys and split you guys down the middle where you've got team this or team that. And it's almost gotten to be a little bit toxic on the internet with social media and places, you know, and, and comment places and things like that. I'd like to see the Kings fans kind of get back together and get on the same page. Cause that was one of the best things about covering you guys is that you guys would run through a wall through or run through a wall for each other. So that would be my final words. All right. And you know what? You just got a coach that will run through a wall for his players. And I think that is the biggest thing that you'll take away from uh, this hire. Dave Yeager is a guy 
uh, in all honesty, I'll leave you with this. He's not the easiest guy for media because I've dealt with him for the last three years, and he's not the easiest guy at all. But I'm on board because I think he is a guy that can lead the Kings to victories and lead the team out of the mess that they're in and into a much better place. I think he's Michael Malone, but with an advanced offensive mind and a little bit better experience than when Michael Malone took over the team. He's dealt with guys like DeMarcus Cousins. He's dealt with, well, he's dealt with guys like Zach Randolph, which to me are the equivalent of, except for, again, go look at Zach Randolph's history and tell me where uh, DeMarcus is any any different, except for the fact that he's not, he didn't get into any criminal stuff. And uh, And I really do believe that this is, the perfect hire for the Sacramento Kings. I wrote that in a piece uh, early Monday morning, and I do. I think this is the perfect fit. I didn't think that a guy like this would be available for the Kings. I really like Nate McMillan. He's never coached a guy like DeMarcus Cousins. And I, I like some of these other guys. Even Vinny Del Negro, I like Vinny D. He doesn't know what it's like to deal with DeMarcus Cousins. And I think... I think Dave Yeager does. And so uh, I give my stamp of approval. I hope that it works out. Um, and that's not as, you know, I, it is what it is. I, I want to see the King succeed. It makes my life a lot more interesting. And it also reduces my drive to Oakland to go cover Warriors playoff series. I'm going to leave you with this thought. Lance Stevenson. Two words. Lance Stevenson. Kings needed <laughs> shooting guard. He just worked with Dave Yeager. I'm just messing with you people. <laughs> why, why you got to do that to I'm just, them? <laughs> just messing with all of you. No, Lance Stevenson. That's so messed up. But <laughs> Dave Yeager was able to manage not one, but like six. Six dudes with major, major history as crazy people. And he did it just fine. And he led, the, he led his team to the playoffs uh, while they got bounced. Uh, it, everyone's going to get bounced against the Spurs unless you're the Golden State Warriors, and even that's a question. And uh, it is what it is. So, All right, Aaron, that's it, right? You got anything else? Nah, just, uh, just be cheap at the be cheap with free agency. That's, that's my final message. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. James Ham says, spend all your money on free agency because you get another <laughs> $15 million to spend the next year. Don't listen to Aaron Bruski. Uh, thanks for joining us, Aaron, on this emergency podcast. Uh, we'll see you guys later in the week because I think we're going to have a little bit more to talk about. Thanks for tuning in.